The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Joe. I mean, he's Joe. (laughs) And I'm one of the pastors here at Westway. (laughs) And I'm one of the other pastors, and my name actually is Mike. So we're beginning a new series today um, that we're going to go through this month of September, um, at least the first three weeks. The last week, we were going to have the food pack that Joe mentioned earlier. As we get into this series, I just want to set the stage a little bit. Um, we're going to see four, four different videos, okay? We're going to watch two of them today. So instead of the normal sermon bumper that's the same every week, you have to pay attention because it's going to be different every week, okay? So we're going to see the story of a life, um, or at least the first part of a life. Today we saw, you know, the little girl born into this family, then a little boy comes into the family. The scene is this little girl's room, and we're going to watch as she grows up uh, and kind of what happens to that scene around her. Um, the story of humanity really is relived over and over and over in each of our lives. And the story of humanity and truth is, is really well encapsulated in the Psalm 78. And that's where we're going to start today if you want to follow along. Um, it's the story of Israel wandering between the Red Sea when they had escaped Egyptian slavery and the days of King David when their nation was firmly established. Though time and time again God proved himself faithful and able, over and over, his people just as persistently chose faithless and powerless actions to try to solve their own problems. Asaph, the man that wrote Psalm 78, I think he understood the story better than most, and he did what he could to remind his nation of God's power and faithfulness. And that's really what we want to do over the next few weeks. Yeah. We want to be reminded of God's power and God's faithfulness as we think about how do we disciple from one generation to another, to another, to another. Yeah. When we sing about God being with us and for us and for your children and your children and your children, what do we actually do in order to establish that. And so I want to begin this morning reading through uh, the first few verses of Psalm 78. Asaph said, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then, this part hurts a little bit if you think about it too deeply. Then 
They will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Mm. You think about who are your children's 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 ancestors. Yeah. We are. <laughs> the stubborn, rebellious, refusing to give our hearts to God. No. And we don't want to be. <laughs> not me. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely don't want to be. We certainly want to give our lives completely to Christ and allow yeah. him to shape us and allow him to make disciples through us through every generation. But Asaph knew that his countrymen were prone to forget God. So are we. Mm-hmm. We are prone to get into the rhythm of our life and to go with the flow of living and forget his provision. We are prone to face the challenges that come at us that are huge sometimes and forget the vastness of a God who is so far beyond those challenges that there is no comparison. Mm-hmm. And we're prone, just like they were, to drift further and further from our maker. So Asaph called them to teach their children what they'd seen and heard needed to be passed down. It needed to be passed on and shared with next generations because every generation deserves an opportunity to know God and experience his love and enter into his story. We live in a world right now that is groaning for the love of our maker. And let us not forget. Because we have an opportunity right now at this moment in time to be a reminder for the world of where they have come from and where we are headed we're kind of at a resetting point and we'll hit on that a little bit later. But we want to make sure that we don't miss it. And so we're going to talk over the next few weeks about the book of Malachi. Because Malachi lived at a time and wrote at a time that I think was kind of similar. Um, Obviously, there were some pretty sizable differences in Malachi's day than 2020. Long after, um, at least some decades after, the Israelites had returned from captivity in Babylon. They had reestablished some semblance of their national identity. They had begun to rebuild the temple, but it just seemed something was missing. The spirit of God didn't seem to fill the temple like he once did. And Malachi was writing to remind them why that might be. So Joe and I, um, we've worked together for about 15 years. Um, Joe has been here a little bit longer than that. He was the children's pastor, now a pastor of adult ministries. Um, I've been the youth pastor here um, and pastor of family ministries And for 15 years, we have worked to lead you to create an environment here at Westway where every next generation will have that opportunity to know and experience God. Mm -hmm. 
And I am a product of people like Willie Coop and Kyron Badana doing exactly that same thing mm-hmm. 30 years ago. <laughs> because when I was in junior high, my family moved to Scotts Bluff and we began attending the church at Bryant. And when my dad started preaching at another church and I had to go out there, I was so mad. <laughs> so mad that I made them let me keep coming to youth group at Westwick, or at Church at Bryant, which is what we were used to be called. And I remember finding an environment where all of a sudden I realized church, it wasn't just an old people thing. Like growing up, church, that's my parents' thing, my grandparents' thing. I go because they take me, they make me. But I discovered in that environment an opportunity to know and understand the love of God. And I found an invitation from Jesus to enter into his story. And we've been working to establish that same environment here and maintain that environment. And as we were talking about doing this series, we started with a focus on family ministry. What does it look like to lead one generation to the next? And the idea of discipleship starting at home, which it does. Discipleship is a life-on-life thing, and you have no greater access to a life than the ones that are growing up in your own home. But it also doesn't stop there. And kind of on parallel tracks, as we were talking about that, I was reading through Malachi, and it just really hit me that this is a message for today. And so today, to start the series, we're going to read through the book of Malachi. Do you want to start chapter one, and I'm going to stop blabbing? Yeah, so if you haven't made the switch yet, we're going to Malachi. And um, you asked if there were any drawings on my walls. They're probably still there, but they're painted (laughs) over, or plastered over, or sheetrocked over. Um, There may be some on the table already yet, though. (laughs) from the grandkids. And as I look out through this room, I see many examples of what Mike just mentioned. I see grandparents who have children here who have grandchildren here. So that would be grandparents that have children here with grandchildren. How many generations is that? That's a lot. And that's pretty awesome that we are continuing to do what God has called the children of Israel to do. And yet, when the time is going good, we tend to forget to look to him. So as we read through this book today um, called Malachi, I want you to think about where you are in here. Let's let's begin with Malachi chapter 1, verse 1. It says, this is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. I have always loved you, says the Lord, but you retort, really? How have you loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor, Jacob. But I rejected his brother Esau and devastated his hill country. 
I turned Esau's inheritance into a desert for jackals. Esau's descendants in Edom may say, we have been shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. But the Lord of heaven's armies replies, they may try to rebuild, but I will demolish them again. Their country will be known as the land of wickedness and their people will be called the people with whom the Lord is forever angry. Wow. When you see the destruction for yourselves, you will say, truly, the Lord's greatness reaches far beyond Israel's borders. The Lord of heaven's army says to the priests, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Asked the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings. But not my name is honored. My people, or excuse me, my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you dishonor my name with your ac actions. By bringing contemptible food, you are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from your, you such offerings as these? Asked the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. Wow. Yeah, we're going to get into that. <laughs> we're going to come back to these first two chapters next week, but is there anything out of there that you want to highlight? Well, the one thing that, keep, that kept coming back to me as I first read that, as we began to prepare for this, was God would say something that his children were doing, and they would say, huh? When have I done that? And I thought about my kids <laughs> and the times when I've went to them and showed up in front of them and said, Hey, when did, why are you doing this? And they go, who me? 
And then I think about myself when I was a child. And that same reaction when my dad or my mom would catch me (laughs) in doing something I knew I shouldn't. And I think we can probably all identify with that. (laughs) Yeah. So listen, you priests, this command is for you. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven's armies, or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from your festival sacrifices, and I will throw you on the manure pile. Sorry, Malachi gets a little harsh here. (laughs) Buckle up because it doesn't get much smoother. Then at last, you will know it was I who sent you this warning so that my covenant with the Levites can continue, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The purpose of my covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace, and that's what I gave them. This required reverence from them, and they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. They passed on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. They didn't lie or cheat. They walked with me, living good and righteous lives, and they turned many from lives of sin. The words of priest's lips should preserve knowledge of God, and people should go to him for instruction. For the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies, but you priests have left God's paths. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into sin. You have corrupted the covenant I made with the Levites, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So I have made you despised and humiliated in the eyes of all the people. For you have not obeyed me, but have shown favoritism in the way you carry out my instructions. Are we not all children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? Then why do we betray each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors? Judah has been unfaithful. And a detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. The men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. May the Lord cut them off from the nation of Israel, every last man who has done this, and yet brings an offering to the Lord of heaven's armies. Here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altars with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her. Though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? You've wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight, and he's pleased with them. You have wearied him by asking, where is the God of justice? Does anything stand out to you from that chapter? A call to being faithful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes beyond the marital relationship. The call to faithfulness 
is all throughout scripture. And the call to faithfulness should really be a hallmark of our lives. Yeah. When we say one thing, that should be the thing that we do. I know when, when we have children, there are moments when the words come out of our mouth, sometimes before we even realize, do what I say, not what I just got caught doing. <laughs> that ever happened? Uh, we don't need to get that personal, right? As parents, we're not perfect. As That's people, right. we are not perfect. We don't always do the thing that we know we should do. Just as Paul said, the very thing that I hate is the mm -hmm. thing that I keep going back to. And that's why he, he had such an emphasis on the grace of God. Because he keeps giving us another chance to do better. Yeah. Another chance to regain the faithfulness that we want to live with. You want to go through chapter 3? Yep. Chapter 3, verse 1. Look! I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothing, clothes. <laughs> he will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Then once more, the Lord will accept the offerings brought to him by the people of Judah and Jerusalem and he did, as he did in the past. At that time, I will put you on trial. I am eager to witness against all sorcerers and adulterers and liars. I will speak against those who cheat employees of their wages, who oppress widows and orphans, or who deprive the foreigners living among you of justice. For these people do not fear me, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, 
for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? You have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed for those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other and the Lord listened to what they said in his presence. A scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies on the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Interesting. There's a lot in there. <laughs> um, what, what jumps out at me in this passage is, even though over and over and over they did wrong, God says, you still have a chance. Yeah, there's such a contrast throughout the book of Malachi between God's love for his people and his people's faithless rejection over and over and over in so many ways. And he just outlines one way after another. And yet here is still this invitation to repent. Yeah. Hey, let's try again. Um, and, and a promise, even when, it, when he talked about the bringing the tithes into the storehouse. Um, don't just give me your leftovers. Yeah. Bring the whole offering. Bring the whole tithe. And, and he says, test me. What an invitation. Test me. Try, try this. You bring what I tell you to bring, and I will open the gates of heaven, and I will flood you with everything you need. Yeah. Um, Somewhere in my childhood, this message got into me very deeply that as long as I was doing what God called me to do, he would provide whatever I need to do it. And doesn't that make sense? I mean, if you were a loving God and, and you created people in a certain way and you had a certain job that you wanted them to do, wouldn't it make sense for you to give them whatever they need to get that job done? Yeah. And God does exactly that. Um, the blessings that we sometimes tend to hold on to and maybe even hoard in our lives, we need to make sure that we are making those blessings that he has given us into blessings that we pass on to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And part of how that happened in the Old Testament was through the tithe, um, we don't need to get too deeply into it, but because you'll, you'll come back to yep. this chapter in a couple of weeks. Um, but I'm going to, let's finish up with chapter four and just thinking about that promise that he has made, that repentance that he has invited mm -hmm. us into and the restitution that he has promised to make. The Lord of heaven's armies says, the day of judgment is coming 
burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. When we look at the state of the world today, sometimes it is overwhelming and it feels like there is nothing that can be done. What can we do? In the face of a virus that we can't see, in the face of racism that seems to just do whatever it wants, and in the violent response, and time and time again, we have violent response to violent action that's hoping to make peace. Christ offers peace in an entirely different way. Sometimes it feels like it's just too far gone. Yeah. It feels like I work hard, I do the right thing, and my washing machine still breaks down. <laughs> Somebody else crashes into my car. And, and then we see people that seem to just live for themselves, and yeah. they seem to be doing great. And it's tempting for us. To just slump our shoulders and give up. Or say, it's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> it's just not fair. Yeah. Another thing that got jammed into me when I was a kid was, life's not fair. <laughs> yeah. And it's not. It's not. And that's a good thing. Yep. Because what is fair is that I should suffer the consequences of my own sin. I'm glad that life is not fair because I can't handle the consequences of my own sin. And so Christ emptied himself. He set aside his rights as God mm -hmm. and he humbled himself and became one of us so that he could live the life that I will fall short of time and time again so that he could offer himself as the perfect sacrifice to pay that penalty that I can't pay. When it seems like there's nothing we can do, when it seems like, you know, the next generation is just so far gone, we just can't reach them, I don't know what to do. When we throw <laughs> up our hands, I just don't understand kids these days. There is something we can do. And through the rest of this series, we're gonna talk about some of those things, but really quickly, I wanna highlight out of these four chapters of Malachi, we know that we can hold out the love of God for every generation. And that doesn't just mean 
If you're older, you hold it out for the younger. If you're one of the younger generations in here today, you can serve as an example of God's love to generations that are older than you. See, each of us responds to the world in some ways based on when we were born and what conditions we grew up in. All of that stuff that happens to us in our lives shapes us. But it doesn't have to shape us ultimately. We can hold out the love of God for every generation. We can give him the best of ourselves to honor his name We can accept his correction and repent to return to the life and the peace that he offers. We can live faithful lives of integrity. We have that chance right now because of some of the situations that are happening in the world today to sort of have a reboot, a reset. We have a chance to course correct because everything right now is being called into question. We have the opportunity to re-engage in God's story. Let's not miss it. We have an opportunity to take our place in God's story and to help every other generation find theirs. Don't miss it. We're going to watch another short video, and I want you to, again, just catch this scene. It is the story of a young girl growing up. And I want you to watch closely to some of the things that are shown. There is, every time I watch these, I find something else. And so I want... I want to just play it over and over and all four of them in a row and let you just rewatch it in a loop because you'll pick up more and more and more each time. But I want you to imagine you are living, and hopefully this isn't just imaginary, you are living God's story. You have taken your role fully embracing what he wants you to do. And this is your life in a nutshell as things grow and change and move. Mm -hmm. 